welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review. Our several-year mission will be to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. We will be reviewing every Star Trek comic book ever published. These stories have been released by Gold Key, Marvel, DC, Malibu, Wildstorm, Tokyo Press, IDW, and others. Star Trek and all that the Star Trek universe contains is copyrighted by CBS Studios, Inc. Hello and welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review with Donovan and Ken. Episode number 109, recorded January 30th, 2013. So we're doing things a little different. Uh, Last week, episode 108 was ongoing up to issue number 15. So this week we're going to go ahead and finish off that story arc with ongoing number 16. And then we're going to do Countdown to Darkness number 1, which only came out a couple weeks ago. Yes. And then because ongoing number 17 was delayed, uh, didn't come out in January as it was supposed to, we are doing Gold Key number 15. Oh. I've just been missing it. A little blast from the past. Exactly. Let's get back into the Gold Key stuff. Do another little check mark on that wonderful series. Right. So going forward, what we're going to do is every month we're going to do whatever ongoing came out that month plus the countdown. And we're going to do that up until uh, Into the Darkness actually comes out in May. So we're going to have four months of this. Cool. So it's literally uh, a countdown. We are counting down. We are counting down the movie. Yes. Yes. Which is why they named it what they did. And it's going to be great. Right. Although I will say my uh, my my quick little comment, uh, I do like the issue, the first issue of Countdown, but it doesn't really tell you all that much about the movie. If I may spoil the issue a little bit, um, no, it's all well, set up. It's all set up. Yeah, I'm sure we'll have more to talk about comparing. I, I have some comparisons to the original Star Trek Countdown. Which came out before the 2009 movie. Ah, and okay. And it seemed grander in scale than this one did. Right. Yeah, but, this one seems like pretty much a standard kind of, uh, you know, standard kind of uh, Star Trek business going on. Federation business, Starfleet business going on. Right. No no supernovas about to take destroy the whole universe. Exactly. It seems like pretty, <laughs> pretty straightforward uh, Starship business. Yep. So but, uh, uh, we'll do that here in a second. Yes. In the meantime, we are going to wrap up the mirrored story. This is part two, and if you don't mind, I would like to start it. Please. Excellent. So this is ongoing number 16, just mentioned. Title is Mirrored, part two. Published date is December 2012. Writer is Mike Johnson. The story is inspired by the original teleplay Mirror Mirror by Jerome Bixby. Artists, a lot of artists here... Aaron Fajar, Hendry Prasetio, and Miralti Firmanslara of Stellar Labs. Sorry, Miralti, but your name's really interesting. Colorist, Sakti Wunano, and Ifansia Noor of Stellar Labs. Letterer is Neil Yukitaki. Editor is Scott Dunbuyer, and creative consultant is Roberto Orki. 
Primary cover presents alternate universe Kirk with a huge scar across his left cheek and an unsmiling stern look on his face that is draped in shadows. This is no good guy version of Kirk, to be sure. His head and upper torso are in the Starfleet badge swoosh outline. The Enterprise is to his right outside of the swoosh and the Terran Empire symbol is set against the background of space in the back. The issue is titled Mirror Mirror Part 2 in large white block text in the lower right. Alternate cover A is the black and white version of the regular cover, sketch art by Tim Bradstreet. Alternate cover B shows a photo of Kirk and Spock facing each other in Old Spock's ship, the Jellyfish. The issue opens with a shot of the Narada traveling at warp speed. Ohura is addressing Kirk as captain, which he is loving. He says he has waited far too long to finally become captain. Chekhov reports he has found references in the Narada database to the imminent reappearance of the same anomaly that brought Nero and the Narada to Federation space. In fact, the day that... Chekhov hesitates. Kirk completes his sentence, the day my father died? Chekhov explains the anomaly appears to be some kind of wormhole. Kirk says if Nero wanted what comes out of that wormhole, so does he. Kirk orders course to be set for where the anomaly should appear. Kirk says it's past time for his chat with the Imperium and orders Ohura to put him through. Senator Pike takes Kirk's call. He is located in San Francisco, the capital of the Terran Empire. Oddly enough, the senator is dressed in a Wrath of Khan red-duty uniform, pretty much like Kirk's, except for a large, rectangular gold badge over his left peck. After Kirk makes some smart-butt comments about how the Klingons sabotaged the Black Gate Bridge, Pike threatens to send the rest of the fleet after Kirk. Kirk tells him he is more than welcome to try, he goes on to say he is quite confident his new ship, the Narada, can take on all comers. Pike asks, <clears throat> Pike asks where Spock is. Kirk lies and says Spock got too big for his britches after defeating the Klingons and started a Vulcan power play against the Empire. When Kirk says he destroyed the Enterprise, Pike is not happy one bit. Kirk tells Pike to forget about the Enterprise, since the Narada is a major trade-up. Kirk says he will deal with the Vulcan threat by using the Narada to destroy them. Pike orders Kirk back to Earth and says he will not do anything without direct orders from the Imperium. Kirk coolly explains, he is the Imperium, and closes the channel. Later, the anomaly opens slowly and ejects a strange ship. We know it is Old Spock's jellyfish spacecraft. Kirk orders to trap the ship with tractor beams. Sulu does so and reels it in. Kirk, Sulu, Uhura, and McCoy are armed at the boarding ramp of the spaceship. When Old Spock emerges, they are incredulous at his resemblance to their former captain. They imprison Spock and soon thereafter interrogate him. Spock truthfully tells him he is not an ally of Nero. 
that he comes from an alternate dimension when there is no Terran Empire, and rather there is a united federation of planets, which is a voluntary alliance dedicated to peace and mutual benefit. He says where he is from, Jim Kirk, is an honorable man. Kirk feigns being wounded by Spock's implied accusation. Then they get on to the red matter carried in Spock's ship, which Kirk does not fully understand, except that it is unstable, and he likes unstable. Scotty hails Kirk and tells him he thinks he has figured out the red matter. With it, he says, they have won the universe. Sometime later, the scene shifts to the surface of Vulcan. The quiet of the desert is pummeled by the sound of the Narada's drilling beam cutting into the crust. Scotty tells Kirk the drilling will take a little while. Kirk says good, since he wants to engage in a little diplomacy first. Old Spock is depressed as he sits, forgotten in the interrogation room, knowing instinctively that they are at Vulcan and his home is in danger. A shadow passes over him with a familiar silhouette offering hope. On Vulcan in the Catrick arc, Kirk materializes phaser in hand to the surprise of Sarek and other Vulcan elders. He accuses Vulcan of never being true partners in the building of the Empire and says Vulcan dies today. Kirk calls up to the ship and tells Scotty to throw a little red into the mix. No response. The sound of drilling suddenly stops. Nervous and uncertain, Kirk calls again to the ship. Finally, Ahura responds. She is holding a discharged phaser and standing over Scotty, who is laid out on the floor with smoke rising from the center of a hole in his chest. Kirk screams Ahura's name and is accosted by Old Spock, who tells him Ahura's affection for the people of Vulcan appear to be undiminished. Kirk points his phaser at old Spock and tells him he will find a way to get control of the ship again after he has killed old Spock. Spock says there is still a good man inside of Kirk and gives him one last chance to end the madness. When Kirk makes it plain Spock is barking up the wrong tree, he is shot from behind and killed by young Spock, back from the dead. Sarek is shocked at the two Spocks. Uhura calls down to young Spock. Spock addresses her as Captain Uhura and tells her he will not be joining her on the ship. For now his place is among his people. On the ship Uhura is melancholy and says they will meet again. She closes the channel and turns to address Sulu, Chekhov, and Dr. McCoy. They all say they will support her. McCoy asks how she got Spock off the exploding Enterprise. She says while Kirk was preoccupied gloating over his victory, it was easy for her to transport him over to the Narada without Kirk noticing. He said Jim never did understand women. She takes her seat at the con and orders a course back to Earth. Meanwhile, back on the Enterprise, Scotty completes his story about alternate dimensions. McCoy calls him crazy, but Scotty confidently asserts it's science. McCoy makes his final point stating that if there is an infinite number of dimensions where everything that can happen has or will soon be happening, then somewhere out there he is the captain of the USS Enterprise. Feigning shock, Scotty tells him not to be ridiculous. This is science, not fantasy. The End
nice little joke at the end. It is a nice little joke at the end. I thought yeah. that fine. I thought I thought that was good. Not yeah, forced. It, it wasn't forced like most of the other ones. Yeah, indeed. So, what did you think? I liked it. I thought it kind of ended abruptly, and and it, it you know two full issues. I guess there's no reason it should go further. And right. and in the end, maybe it's better that it didn't. It's just like I just got a definite feeling that it ended a little abruptly. But yeah, I loved it. It was good. I enjoyed yeah. it. I think it definitely took. I I still think that it took more from the mirror darkly uh, two-parter from Enterprise than it did mirror mirror from the original series. Um, only in that it was in the same tone, right? So in that mirror darkly episode, I mean, it just starts off. It doesn't ever even acknowledge our universe at all right. and and this one kind of felt like that too even though you had scotty and bones talking about you know what if and right. then going into it but but that two-parter was kind of the same way it just starts off you're in the mirror universe and then the very last shot of that one is uh hoshi in in command of the uss defiant right you know ready to take on the the terran empire and become empress or whatever Right. Which, doesn't that sound a little bit like this one? Oh, it sounds a lot like it. <laughs> um, uh, of course, it also, it seems like in this issue, though, Ahura is not going to go against the Empire. Right. I mean, it sounds like she's playing ball with uh, Pike and company, but I guess you don't really know for sure. Yeah, you don't really know. Right. And if this is the same Mirror Universe timeline... Why would they not have more advanced ships? I, I guess we've already talked about that, but I just, uh, you know, if if they really had the Defiant, which was a Constitution-class ship back in, in Mirror um, Archer's time, you think that they would have more advanced ships when the Narada actually came in through through the time jump or whatever it did? But, again, well, but, that's just being nitpicky. Well, but... Oh. And that's also assuming that this but is that's... the same mirror universe. Well, which... exactly. I mean, I think they went to great pains hammering into our heads again and again. You know, there's an infinite number. I mean, even though Scotty and McCoy at the beginning of the arc and now at the end of this issue, even though they look like the normal movie, Scotty and McCoy, they're not because, of course, they're on a Enterprise that looks an awful lot like the... Uh, the Taz movie Enterprise. Yeah, you kept saying that last episode too, and and I get you, but I really think it was just the artist drew the wrong ship. I I think it was totally on purpose. Really, you think so? Uh, I really, I mean, they put a lot of they put <laughs> a lot of care into these these books. Ah, and Orkies there, and I, I just don't think they make mistakes like that. All right. Was, okay, well, so you so you think that this Scotty and McCoy, who are there at the beginning and then at, there at the end, are exactly the same one that we saw in the 2009 movie? That's what I think. Okay. But but I do agree that the Enterprise looks like like a a, a hybrid of the 2009 and the uh, original Kirk movie Enterprises. Yeah, and, and I don't think it looks like a hybrid. I think it looks like the refit Enterprises. Well, the... Myself, but... 
and, and that's the, fine. The, the it could be a hybrid dish. between. I mean, there's only one shot in this whole book of it, but yeah. in this one, the deflecting dish looks more like. Oh yeah, yeah, there it is. Yeah, you can see the front also. Yeah. Well, what is it? Okay, what's different about the deflector dish? It looks more like the uh, the new movie than it does the uh, refit. I think. I. I. I I don't know that I agree with that. So what what part of it? Hmm. Well, I don't to be know, perfectly I, honest with you, I, I'd have to compare the two to know. Yeah. I mean, there you you can't see really the edges of the deflector dish. I mean, it looks like it's probably set in to the engineering hull, like the movies were. You know, the refit one was, but I don't know. But it's hard to tell from this. I mean, I get what you're saying, and and if what you're saying is right, then okay. And there's no reason why it couldn't be an alternate. The the, the book ending be an, yet another alternate uh, version of of these characters. Right. That's just not the way I I took it when I read it. Yeah. Well, it would help explain why. No. The ship looks different. <laughs> no, 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 no. It, I, I was gonna say something that I shouldn't. Because my main because my main point reacting to your original main point is. The alternate dimension with the Terran Empire that we see here is mm-hmm. not necessarily the Terran Empire that we saw in the Enterprise episode. Agreed. But yeah. I said it was that was my main point originally. But. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're right. I mean, you're. I mean, this the this continuity itself is a, is an alternate. Yeah. <laughs> so we're talking about books? An, an alternate version of an alternate version. Exactly of right. An alternate version. Right. Because <laughs> they because they definitely don't want to do any. They definitely have been avoiding doing anything that directly conflicts with the, what the movies are doing. But you know, a lot of things are going on that you don't that you're never going to see in the movies. Sure. Continuity. Sure. So it could be different. Anyways, I enjoyed it. Uh, I just thought. It was a little too close to the the mirror darkly episode from Enterprise. Uh, you know, when you reminded me of that, I was amazed because I I really didn't put the two together. But you are a hundred percent right. I mean, th- th- this is a retread of of that Enterprise two parter. You know, however long that that episode was. Yeah, it was two parter. I think they were yeah. planning on revisiting that that universe um, in season four or season five, five but. Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, season five never happened. They never got to it. Damn it. Damn it. So uh, when they were at the Katra Ark, you yes. said you saw Amanda there? I never did see her. Uh, I know she's there. I the she was movie. there. Well, she, yeah, she was there in the movie. Right. So I thought she was there too, but... but I, I never did see her. I, I looked after you said it in your synopsis, and I still can't find her. Huh? You know, I think you make a good point. I, I don't, I don't see a female at all. Mm-mm. Good point. So, is she dead in this universe? I don't know. And then I was kind of wondering if, if in this universe, Vulcans are kind of considered second-hand or second-class citizens um, of the Federation or the Terran Empire. I mean, why would Amanda have married a? A Vulcan or whatever, and and even mm. had Spock in this continuity. Interesting theory. If they're I mean, really, so you... I mean, I'm just saying they uh, they make a big deal about how the Terran Empire treats Vulcans, and then you then you well, kind of wonder why well, but, would she have married one? Well, but 
Okay, so we know how Kirk treats Vulcans. However, Pike seems very supportive of the Vulcans. I mean, Spock, who's a Vulcan, yeah, he is, is the lead captain. Right, right, right. Good point. Good point. Um, that does the final death blow to the Klingons. So, I, yeah. Very, I, very good point. Never mind. I, I retract my statement. Okay. You beat me. It's, hey, take it easy, cowboy. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, Kirk seems to be a bit of a bigot. Don't he know does. why exactly. Well, you know what, what what his thing is, but he does not like Vulcans. And we know that he's not the normal Kirk because this Kirk, in in addition to being racist, doesn't know women. And we yeah. know if we know one thing about Kirk, he knows the ladies. <laughs> At least, he, well, he knows enough about them to um, get horizontal with them. Hell, he now. was a woman at one time. <laughs> he knows them, Ken. And because of that, we know William Shatner knows women very well. Or maybe the writer, I don't know. I think maybe both of that particular ill-fated third season episode. The last episode ever. Yeah, something well to remember. So, you mind, now that you bring that up, do you mind if I bring, my, bring up my little compare and contrast essay? No, go ahead. I like essays. Okay. Okay, so uh, yeah, so my I, I like how they purposely flip things between our quote our universe and and this mirror universe, but it, it kind of varied for the characters. So Kirk seems to be the most extreme case of inversion. He's a ruthless murderer, not an honor, honorable man. Kirk does not know women, as you just mentioned, in the alternate universe. But you know, he's a ladies' man in ours. It took Kirk too long to become captain, as opposed to becoming the youngest captain ever, by a large margin in our universe. I mean, even in the reboot universe, it's a hell of a lot faster than the original Kirk did in the Taz reality. And I have more to say about that, by the way, which seems hokey. But However, you do notice that he has the same sense of humor. So in the 2009 movie, he had a pretty good sense of humor, and he's got a good sense of humor here, when he's not being, you know, a vindictive poo-poo head. Spock does not seem like he's flipped at all. Like in the original Taz episode, he was a, an honorable man in, in our reality as well as the uh, mirror reality. Ahura seems hugely flipped at first, but in the end, she you know, she did what he, it seems like she what she did at the beginning, she did for love of Spock rather than ruthless ambition. Or so it appears, so it seems like in the end maybe she's not as flipped as she first appeared. Right. Um, Pike appeared to be pretty much the same guy despite being a senator in a Starfleet uniform, which I thought was kind of weird. And then, then my last points are just uh, the other characters were given little, too little screen time to make a judgment, and then of course it was kind of, I just had to throw out the thing about Black Gate Bridge instead of Golden Gate Bridge. Just had to mention that. Oh, I didn't even catch that. Yeah, just for an inanimate object flip. Oh, that's funny. I missed that part. Yeah. So, uh, but I especially like what they did with Ahura. I mm-hmm. mean, she seemed like a Hoshi right off the bat. You know, ruthless, v- vicious. You know, do anything for power. But at the end, not not so much. Hmm. Yep. No, I I, uh, I I liked all the I liked her character in this. Yeah, that's your last of your essay. I that's that's to, the end uh, of my essay. 
Although, should I should I go on to my tangent point? Sure, go ahead. Since I did kind of mention it. Please. Okay, so I'm trying to align time frames here because this mirror universe with the Terran Empire must be further forward in time and I guess there's no reason it can't be, must be forward in time compared to what we saw in the 2009 movie. Because, you know, Captain Spock has already waged his war against the Klingons and won. Kirk says it's been too long since he's been promoted. But in our reality, you know, they've just been out of Starfleet Academy for one or two years, you know. So it's like, how could Kirk have been waiting that long to become captain unless it's further in the future? So I thought that was a little wacky. Yeah, but I mean, but we we have a fixed point in time and that Spock shows up. So you would assume that Spock shows up well at the same time and and Nero says that he'd been in in uh captivity since yeah, Kirk was born. So Okay, so in that case maybe it isn't further in time, which means that Kirk's statements don't make a lot of sense. Well, maybe they just get promoted faster in a in a universe where you have a lot of mutiny and things like that, <laughs> like they did in the Mirror in universe. In a year or two, though? Oh. Uh-huh. Well, maybe they don't stay in Starfleet Academy as long. Because if you remember in the Mirror Universe episode, uh, Chekhov was, was vying for Captain C. Right. And, uh, you know, he, he was supposed to be fresh out of Starfleet Academy. Right. Uh, yeah, so you're saying that the people expect to become captain in a year or two. Yeah, when, okay. they, when they're filled with that much ambition. I guess so. Yeah, I don't know. Cool. You're, you, have, you make good points, though. Yeah, it's a little, a, little, a little wacky, a little wacky, unexpected. But I liked how this old Spock is our old Spock going to the Mirror Universe versus the Mirror Universe's old Spock going back to this, this point in time. Yeah. Interesting, isn't it? Right. Although so, I will say I'll say one thing is a little different about the, the, the Spock here. Yeah. Old Spock going back. Is it just a clothing malfunction or does old Spock seem to have um how shall I put it? Um a significant package <laughs> when in his com- uniform? When he's coming down the ramp. Exactly. When you first see him, he takes up most of the page, and he's in good shape mm-hmm. for an old guy. And uh, there's like this bulge in his space uniform. Uh, when you mentioned it, I see it, but I did not catch that when I was reading it. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe that's just a natural fold of that model, but I'm just, I was just a little put off by like well, uh, did they do that on purpose okay. that space suit comes with a big cod piece you didn't know that a big what piece isn't it called a cod piece isn't that what they call it cod yeah i don't know what's what's a cod piece donovan i've never heard this phrase seriously <laughs> i don't i i've never heard that phrase well let me look it up real quick to make sure i'm using the right <laughs> <word>. <laughs> Okay. Uh, well, I thought, was, I thought it was the part of the armor that uh, covered that area. Oh, oh no, I, I don't. Oh, so he's got an athletic cup in a supporter, or something. Hold on one second. Okay. 
That's I'm, fine. I'm looking up cod piece. Uh, cod piece from Middle English cod meaning scrotum. <laughs> it is a covering flap or pouch that attaches to the front of the crotch of men's trousers and accentuates the genital area. Wow. I Yowzers. I am I am educated. I've I have never <laughs> heard that before. The only hey, time... it, it it beats Kleenex and your tidy whities I suppose. Well, the the only time I've heard of it is in like uh, suits of armor. You know, they have that 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 part right there. Mm-hmm. To uh, you know, you still need to be able to move around, but you also want it. Uh, you know, covered. extra protection. <laughs> so I'd always heard codpiece and referring to that, but then also, you know, I don't know if you know this, Ken, but I'm a fan of Superman. Uh huh. And uh, when they were making Superman the movie, they yeah. had Christopher Reeves in tights. Right. And certain parts of his costume was changing from shot to shot. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Shall we say? So, uh, so uh, the the producer was like, oh, well, well, we can't have that. <laughs> uh, he he made them put a, a, a cod piece in Christopher Reeves' outfit, and then they were like, if we're going to have it in there, it's going to be big. So... Uh, <laughs> And if you listen to like Margot Kidder talking about it, because she said she, you know, she really felt bad for Christopher Reeve having to wear it, but uh-huh. she said that, you know, he would, while Christopher Reeve was up on wires, that the producer would come over there and like thump it, you know. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. You know, Mar- Margot just for Kidder. a joke. Yeah. Right. Okay. And uh, but I don't know. Margot Kidder is. She's a she's a joker, so I don't know how true that is, but <laughs> just okay. There you go. This is funny. So you've never little, heard that a term little trivia. before. I've I've never heard that term before, uh. and now I know. Okay, cool. <laughs> I, You're I, educated. I I feel educated. <laughs> cool. All right, so let's move on to another subject. Please. <laughs> uh, <laughs> did you get the Wrath of Khan vibe when? Ohora shoots uh, Scotty in the back. That there's this this close up on Kirk while he's screaming out, Ohora! Ah. <laughs> I didn't really get that as a, a, a as a Wrath of Khan vibe, but I I see what you say. I see what you mean. Uh, I thought they were doing it on purpose because they had that shot and he's in a cave, you know, like like Kirk was in a the Genesis cavern or whatever. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. I thought that's what they were definitely going for. Yeah, cool, cool. He he definitely has an intense look on his face. Oh, he's mad. He's mad. Oh, you ain't kidding. No, 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 no. Pretty angry, yes. As he gets his just desserts. Mmm, dessert. Mmm, bacon. Okay, so I got a question for you. All right. So if Nero... Never left Rorapenthe, and he never met V'ger, and he never found out exactly where and when Spock would emerge. How the heck can the Narada database tell this Kirk and company all those that hard to calculate information? So uh, that's right, because because it was Nero using V'ger's immense intelligence to recalculate where. Spock, where and when Spock would be coming out, right? Right. 
Good point. Yeah. When I was reading this, I was misremembering that it was just v- just the Narada that did that. But you're right. Uh, it should have been Viger. Right. And so there was no opportunity to do that, which I thought was rather odd. But it was one of those things. Like, okay, fine, fine. That little piece of information on the side. Let's let's move on with the story. <laughs> I still can't get over why it's not Mirror Universe Spock coming from the future instead of just our normal Spock. I think I would have liked that better. Wait, so he'd have a beard? I don't know, just maybe his motivations would be a little different? Hmm. Could be, could maybe be. Maybe Nero could have been the good guy instead nah. of the yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Let's but not no, get wacky here. Those two are just straight up normal. Right, yeah. So, what's the deal with Pike being in a uh, Wrath of Khan uniform? If he's a senator, know. you know what? I didn't catch that until you said that that yeah. that, that he is in a Wrath of Khan uniform. He just has a different logo on his chest. Well, you did. Oh, you didn't catch that it was a Wrath of Khan. I didn't. Starfleet uniform. Uh-huh. I, I caught that he had the turtleneck at one point, but I didn't right. catch that he actually has the little fastener on his on his shoulder and the whole nine yards. Right, right. No, I don't know. I do like it, though. Oh, I think it looks good. It's just like, okay, well, maybe you like the outfit, but you're not Starfleet anymore. If you're a senator, I don't think, but who knows, maybe you are. I don't know. Well, there's no... uh, I think they are all the same, right? Because wouldn't the Empire... Well, okay. I don't know. That's... I mean, in, in... in our universe, it's uh, Starfleet is like the military slash, you know, folks that go out there and do stuff. And then there's a totally separate political body, the Federation. Right. But maybe in the alternate universe, it's all one. But they talk about the Imperium. Yeah, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> maybe it is all the same thing. Yeah, I don't know. Don't know. Yeah. Another question for you. So, did Scotty make up this entire story on the fly? The whole Mirror Universe thing? And he told it to McCoy? Is he that creative? Or are we supposed to assume that Scotty just explained the idea of a Mirror Universe theory and the narrative took over and handed down to the reader this wonderful tome and, and it wasn't Scotty telling McCoy all these details? I'm going with the uh, ladder. The, the ladder, right? Yeah, yeah. That, I, that, I agree. I agree. Yeah. So the last thing that McCoy heard was, "There's hundreds of million universes. In one of them, I could be a poet. In fact, right. a lot of them, I'll be a poet." And then the next thing is McCoy saying, "That's the craziest thing I've ever heard." <sighs> right. Right. So right. yeah, that's the way I took it. Okay. Good point. Good point. Um, Any other questions? Yes, I, I have a question. Sir, my hand is up. All right. You in the um, back. All right. I still don't understand how Kirk and company are able to control the Narada so apparently easy when the Klingons could not do it for the decades that they, or however long, that they had Nero imprisoned on Rorapenthe. Well, because... Because they're cool? These... They were able to torture it out of the uh, out of the Romulans, whereas the Klingons could not torture it out. 
Well, yeah, okay. right. it doesn't make sense. Hold on. <laughs> if anybody's good at torture, it's it's probably the Klingons. But maybe in this alternate universe, the Klingons aren't all that bad. Maybe it's like that uh, that uh, Taz series we did a while back, where Klingons were the science nice guys. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they can. Yeah, yeah. like uh, like Worf's uh, father Worf's or whatever. Grandfather. Yeah. Grandfather. There you go. All right. His grandfather, Worf. Exactly. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's a good point. Because they don't have any problem controlling it. Right. And and the people that are controlling it weren't even on the planet when uh, Kirk beat up and killed Nero. Right? Because there was a few of them that took over the ship, and then they went and picked up Chekhov and Sulu later. So... I don't know how they got trained so fast. Yeah. Yeah, the whole thing just seems kind of coincidental and handy. Just go with it, Ken. I I, I am. I I went with it. I'm just pointing these things out. (laughs) Okay, my last comment. Yep. I love the artwork, period. But I really like where the artwork effect where they've got the jellyfish captured by the advanced tractor beam of the Narada. Are you being sarcastic? No, I liked it. The little green bubble? Exactly. So there's a bubble around the jellyfish with, like, lightning crackling on the outside, and then that's attached to the uh, tractor beam, you know, line kind of thing. And I thought it looked cool. I've never seen a tractor beam look like that before, but I thought it looked kind of cool. No. It looks cool. It looks kind of like when the Ghostbusters use their (laughs) contacts on a a ghost. Uh, Uh, Right. Yep, or maybe you get that trap going that goes right. up and pulls them down. Yep. Yeah, w- inside the little electricity bubble. So exactly. it looks right. a lot like that. Good point. There you go. There you go. I, I, I thought it looked cool. It's another one of those things that uh, were it was just cool for cool's sake. Um, and it worked. Yeah, worked for me. Anything else, sir? That's all I got in that one. All right, next up is... Countdown to Darkness, number one. This is the official comic prequel to Star Trek Into the Darkness. Ooh, really? Cool. And it has first issues splashed on the page really big, just in case you weren't aware. (laughs) All right, the story is Roberto Orkey and Mike Johnson. Script is Mike Johnson. Artist is David Mencia. Ink assist is Marina Castroverto. Colorist is Claudia Charlagati. Gachia. Scarly Gachia. Uh, letterer is Chris Mori. Creative consultant, Anthony Pascal. And editor is Scott Dunbar. And we have multiple covers, as you would expect. Uh, cover A. This is a four parter. So each one has a part of a Starfleet swoosh. So this is the upper left-hand corner of the swoosh. Um, It shows a picture of Kirk, and he's half-covered in shadow. And then cover B is just the Into Darkness poster that shows Cumberbatch looking over a destroyed planet. Uh, Then there's the Enterprise edition which shows a huge shot of the Enterprise, and Kirk uh, has Kirk's face behind it. And then there is 
cover RE, which was a Hastings exclusive. Hastings is a distributor. And it shows Kirk, Spock, and McCoy with phasers out looking for trouble. So the story starts off with Spock beaming down to Vulcan while Nero's drill is destroying the planet. He arrives to the Katra Ark and is able to get the elders and his mother out of the cave and safely beams aboard the Enterprise. Spock embraces his mother and is filled with emotion. Suddenly the ship sh- uh, suddenly the ship starts to shake. Amanda looks at her son and asks why he saved them only to doom them aboard the ship. The Enterprise continues to shake and actually starts to split apart. Spock is blown out into the cold vacuum of space. Spock then bolts upright in his bed and yells, No! It was all a dream. He gets up and starts to dress just as Uhura arrives from ending her shift. She is able to tell that he has had his reoccurring dream again. She tries to get him to go back to bed with her, but he says that he will just start his shift early on the bridge. She says she will join him, since the time on the bridge is the only time they're able to spend together. Meanwhile, Kirk is shirtless and lying in bed. He is recording a log, but he is talking to the computer as if she was a real person. He deletes this recording about needing companionship and tells himself that he really needs some shore leave. Later on the bridge, Kirk is in command and Sulu has just brought the ship to Fadus, a planet that they are planning to scan and then move on. So it's just a hit and run type thing. Kirk suggests that they take a trip down and observe the natives in person. Spock reminds the captain that this is against the Prime Directive, since it is a primitive race. They perform the scan and Chekhov notices an anomaly. There seems to be an energy field originating from the surface. This is much more advanced than they should be, judging from the last survey performed only five years ago. As they are observing the planet, the communications goes down. Scotty reports that he does not know what's going on, but would recommend that no one use the transporters until the interference has subsided. Kirk plans to take a shuttle to the service and find what's causing the energy field. Sulu volunteers the pilot to shuttle, and Spock, along with Cupcake, round out the away team. As the shuttlecraft pulls away from the ship, a lens flare glares into the reader's eyes. Sulu takes the ship down from orbit with ease. The planet is rocky and has little to no vegetation. As they near a ravine, they are attacked with phaser fire. The shuttle is hit and makes a crash landing. During the crash, Kirk was knocked out. He comes awake and Spock informs him that Sulu has a concussion and needs immediate medical attention. Kirk blames himself for Sulu's injury. But Cupcake, a.k.a. Hindorf, tells the captain that he would not have been able to stop him from coming. Kirk and Spock step out of the wreckage to survey the land when they are fired on by a phaser rifle. They find that they are surrounded by blue-skinned insectoid aliens. The aliens use a universal translator within a tricorder to demand who they are. Kirk is confused how these primitive aliens have both phasers and old Starfleet translators. 
Kirk tells him that he is captain of the Enterprise and demands to know how they receive this tech. A voice off screen tells him to settle down and that he was the one that gave them the weapons and tricorders. The man steps forward and introduces himself as Robert April, former captain of a starship called Enterprise. To be continued. Uh, Robert, Robert April. April. Yeah. That's that you know, I would be surprised about that if I hadn't heard about this on the web prior to uh reading the book. But uh yes, Robert April, cool. Yeah, I don't know why the the net is making such a big deal about this. I mean, as soon as this issue hit the stands, people are like Benedict Cumberbatch is playing Robert April. Oh yeah, and well. It's like you look at the picture and you're like, "Where are you jumping?" No. He's an old guy. Right. And then I think uh, you one time mentioned that you thought maybe it was Peter Weller, but it's, it doesn't look like Peter Weller either. Well, yeah, um, I, I offered the conjecture that maybe Peter Weller, who is an older guy, was playing Captain April. But that, of course, was before I saw this picture. And he looks nothing, well, Peter Weller, the actor, looks nothing like this comic book. Which isn't to say that if Robert April, maybe still Captain April, I don't know what he's called now... If Robert April even makes it into the movie, nothing says he's he's going to be in the movie. I mean, just because he's in this comic doesn't mean he's going to be in the movie, but it'd be kind of cool if he was. I just wonder who's playing him if it isn't Weller. There's got to be somebody a little, little on in years, right? Right. I think people are just reading too much into it. Because, I mean, if you remember Countdown, right. uh, every issue ended with a big one-page splash Hello, Jordy. Hello, Data. Hello, Captain Picard. I mean, every <coughs> issue ended just like this one did. Right. There's a big name that you know, but we're it's in a situation that you're not familiar with. And yeah. I don't and think not expecting. Any, right. I I don't see this as being any different. This is they're throwing out a pretty major character to any Star Trek fan, but he I don't think he's gonna make it to the movie. Yeah, he might not. Although that'd be cool if he did. Oh, it'd be really cool. I'm more curious to know what what Starship Enterprise he's talking about. Oh, you think it's not? Hmm. Because Pike makes a big deal that this was yeah. that their Enterprise right. was a new ship, and we saw right. it getting built when Kirk was a little boy. That's uh, that's a good point. And when we first see the Enterprise, it's not the Enterprise A or B or whatever. It right. is supposed to be like maiden voyage of the brand new ship. Right. Right? In the movie? Yep. 2009 yep. movie? It's supposed to be the maiden ship of the flagship. Exactly. So how the heck is this old guy a former captain of a ship called Enterprise? Damn it! Good point. I hadn't thought about that. We'll have to wait till next month. Uh. <laughs> cool. So you think they're going to kill off Hindorf in this uh, miniseries? Doesn't it seem like they were kind of saying in that Red Shirts issue that... They're, they weren't going to arbitrarily kill off red shirts, which of course doesn't mean that they can't kill Endorf off, but that would kind of go against what they kind of were hinting at in that red shirts um, issue. Right, which will be a big surprise when he does actually die here in a couple issues. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I'm, okay, I'm with so, you. I, I get what you're saying, but I just I can't see them bringing Endorf for the new movie. Why? I don't know. Why he not? Seems, seems too random. Well, random? 
I don't know. He He's on a ship, box. right? Yeah. No, but I mean, I don't know. It it seems like it's working in the comic book so far. But yeah. Well, I'll IMDb him later today and and see if he's going to be in it. How's well, that? That's spoiler right there, buddy. Well, give it a shot. But look at how long Worf was around. I mean, he was he was a security officer chief. He was always going down to planets and stuff. And uh, Next Gen didn't, you know, didn't as much kill off uh, security people as much. Yar. As much, I said. <laughs> right. So I don't know. So okay, so you're bringing this whole end. Uh, Hendorf thing, cupcake thing up just because you don't think he'll work on the movie? I just or do you know something? No, no, I'm just totally... I, I'm just, again, there's there's three of them that go down. They're all pretty big names. Yeah. Including Hendorf. So that's why I kind of think that maybe he won't make it. Well, maybe, but he's not the one who's injured. It's Sulu. And and these guys, these a- insectoid aliens are... You know, I mean, unless... Robert April, you know, pulls a, a Mr. Phelps thing in the first remake Mission Impossible movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's still probably a good guy, unless he truly is the bad guy. Because so I, I don't see them being in danger because April comes out here. And by the way, he definitely has a Starfleet com badge on, but the rest of his outfit does not look like a Starfleet uniform. You don't think Except so? for the I badge. Thought, I thought it did. Really? It looked, it looked, I mean, it, it's like a jacket. Let me, let me go back. Well, okay, okay. So he's got he's got high black boots, okay, given there. Black pants, but there there are details to these pants that do not look like any of the normal Starfleet characters' pants. Uh, right. True, he's still got a gold shirt, but it doesn't really quite look like a, uh, you know, what, what Kirk wears. Right. Um... Well, uh, and it, definitely it, the jacket is not. I've never seen that before. No. But, eh. but this could be their away mission attire. We never. Well, we never really saw it. And I mean, this is just speculation, but I think he's been on the planet for five years, and uh, things could have changed. Yeah, uniform-wise, he's been stuck on the planet for five years, and he's, uh, you know, wearing a five-year-old uniform. Hmm. 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 Could be. Could be. But I am wondering. He he addresses himself as Robert April, not not Captain April, Admiral April, or anything. Right. But he does say former captain, but I thought that was just at first. He just could be saying former captain of the Enterprise, not necessarily a former captain. Period. Like he's not a captain anymore. But he doesn't call himself captain, so. Is he Mr. Rogue Element? He's going to be a bad guy here? Or uh, what? I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. I think he is going to be a bad guy. Not not a, not a bad guy, bad guy, but, you know, a good guy that's doing things a little bad. <laughs> <laughs> but he thinks he's doing it for the right reason. You know what I'm saying. Sure, but so we're thinking maybe... Um, John Cumberbatch's character is somehow a protege of April's or part of his his things where he's arming um, nasty looking primitive aliens to do something that could threaten the, the uh... 
Yeah, I haven't quite figured, I, I haven't really figured out how how this character or this situation is supposed to tie into Cumberbatch's backstory. Right. Or even how it feeds into Star Trek Into Darkness since this doesn't really seem to have anything to do with what we've seen in the trailers, but maybe it'll all make sense once we've read all four books and right. see the movie. Right. And, you know, there are four issues here, so uh, I really don't think this is just... Th- uh, even though most of this issue was kind of like throwaway, typical kind of um, Starfleet business, you know, a lot of it. You know, go to a planet, do a survey, you know. You know, don't 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 mess with anybody. Prime directive, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I hope this whole issue isn't just throwaway and doesn't figure into the uh, movie. I don't think that will right. be the case. I don't think it'll be the case only because the you know the 2009 movie didn't do that. Yeah, yeah. Well, they had a lot of stuff to get done, and uh, most things were pertinent to the main storyline, in one way or another. In the original countdown. Yes. Right. Agreed. Right. So uh, Spock has some mega six-pack abs, eh? On page six. Oh, I gotta see this. Well, you're noticing all the physiques today. Well, it's kind of hard not to. I'm surprised you didn't notice that. Now, of course, uh, all these guys are kind of young versions right. of the characters, but. Oh yeah, when he when he when he's laying or when he just when he first sets up and he says no mother. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, yeah. After he, the nightmare or whatever. Yeah, he's ripped. He's totally ripped. It's like, <laughs> gee, do you have to do that? Okay, whatever. Fine. Yeah, if you look like that, yes, you would have to do that. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Uh, okay, so does it seem to you like Kirk is seeming pretty reckless? I mean, oh, by it, wanting to go down so bad. Well, yeah, and 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 even how they're coming down in the shuttle. I mean, if these are supposedly low-tech aliens that can jam comms and transporters, the idea that they might have you know some more advanced level of ordnance than spears, you know, I would have thought that might have occurred to him a little bit. I don't know. He just seemed to be coming in, you know, uh, having Sulu come in kind of low and um, uncautiously. Right. No, good point. But he's young, what can I say? I kind of like how Ahura takes the con while the boys go sightseeing on the planet. Yeah, I thought that was weird. Is she is she the highest ranking one there, aside from Scotty and Sulu and Spock and Kirk? Well, I, apparently on the bridge at that moment, I guess so. And again, it seems like, at least in the issues so far, is Scotty doesn't seem to have a lot of interest in command. Right. Well, plus so. he's working on trying to figure out what's causing the interference. Oh, the interference, right. Okay, that's fine. But it's kind of in- interesting. I mean, Uhura, original Uhura, had, did she ever take the con? Maybe in one of the later movies? Maybe? But not yeah. in the original series. Not that I know of. Yeah. So I think it's kind of cool. Why not? But... Yeah, uh, no, I, I, I thought it was weird, but, but I wasn't upset about it. I mean, yeah, I, I'd rather have her than... Than the 16-year-old Chekhov. Yeah, exactly. I was just thinking the same thing. She's got to be higher ranked than Chekhov. I mean, come on. The kid's still got zits. 
<laughs> Plus, you can't ever understand what he's saying, so. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> fire. Fi- f- fire. No. Who knows? <laughs> I did like how in that first Mirror Universe issue that we did last week yeah. that Kirk kind of screwed with him. Yeah, right. What are you saying? And then he would say it again. Yeah. <laughs> and he'd be uh, trying so too. hard. <laughs> and, and I like that, that, that the nasty Kirk still had a good sense of humor. Right. All right, I don't really have much else to say other than that. Neither do I. I'm really curious to see where they go with this. I like the aliens. Did I mention that part earlier? No. I like how they have the uh, two like proper arms, and then they have another second set of arms that look more like just pinchers type thing. Or yeah. Like little... I guess they have pinchers cool like, a, like a crab. Oh, yes. Yeah, I, I think they look pretty cool. I wonder... Uh, if any of those guys will make it into the movie in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, it's just... It's, I doubt it. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, yeah maybe uh, maybe these things somehow create medical medical wonder drugs that, uh, that Cumberbatch then can use on Mickey's uh, daughter. We saw <laughs> the first nine minutes. To get him to do something... That he wouldn't normally do, Mickey. That is right. Yes, like plant a bomb, maybe. So maybe these aliens somehow have, you know, some sort of excretion or something like that that can be used as wonder drugs. I don't know. I'm curious to see if if they do play any part in it. I don't well, know. maybe maybe whatever makes um, Cumberbatch such a super strong bad guy or bad okay I'll say it badass you know maybe some of that they're using to help the uh, the girl I don't know right never know never know we'll, we'll find out soon yes we will know in May <laughs> um, last thing I did look up uh, Cupcake mm-hmm. Jason Matthew Smith the actor okay. yeah he is not credited for Star Trek 2 oh Oh. Well, so, it does seem like the cast is doing all their own stunts as they run around in black outfits and leather. And non-Federation phasers. Right. Yeah, well, because I think they're not even going to be part of the Federation through a lot of... Right. They're going to go on... They're going to go, go off and do their thing. Right. And Sulu's going to get to wear his cape. <laughs> his short little cape. I want him to wear that cape. <laughs> Hey, JJ better start liking the cape because if Lando shows up and he's not wearing a cape in the new Star Wars, you ain't kidding. I, I'm going to be pretty upset. Yep. And that's still relatively, well, it's a, it's it's a week old news for us. Not right. well, not a week, but yeah, so it'll be like two It's weeks still a little shocking. Post this. Yeah. But I'm not happy about the the, the obvious delay this is going to cause in Star Trek 3. Not happy at all. Well, I'm okay with them letting another director do well, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think we I said. I don't know if it's really going to direct. I mean, I don't know if it's really going to delay anything. Ah, uh, unless JJ really takes a very hands-off approach to it and gives a lot of creative influence to other people, I don't see how it can't. I think he should. I, I think that. I think it should go to somebody else. 
So he'll. I think Bad Robot Productions will still produce Star Trek Three. I think they're under contract for it. Right. Um, and I think still a lot of the creative people, the writers, Orky and etc. Uh, I think those people will be very involved in it. Um, right. Orky's not going to. Study. So I guess uh, exactly. I think it'll still delay things. Uh, we'll see. But not as much, I agree, as if J.J. Uh, was actually directing Star Trek Three. Right. So, so, and if I were uh, Paramount, I would, I would not be too happy about too much of his time being funneled away into another studio's uh, project. But you know what? I don't know if I. Uh, this is great publicity for Star Trek, though. It is not that not that they really need it, but now all the <clears throat> I don't know people might see Star Trek that wouldn't normally, you know, like the people who think Star Wars is so much better than Star Trek and don't like Star Trek. They might watch Star Trek two to see how this guy is going to do with Star Wars. I think the people that are that much Star Wars zealots that would not even watch the 2009 movie of Star Trek I don't think there's that many of those people out I, I hope there's not that many of those people out there because that would uh, definitely show a very unfortunate side of human nature oh come on you got well, all the you got that's a, terrible did you not watch fanboys yeah I know there is I know. Star Trek fans and Star Wars fans yeah well I think those people are extremists and uh rare yeah, I agree. At least I certainly hope they're rare. Cause it's Although like, I do know a lot of people a, who love Star Wars that don't watch Star Trek. Well, and, and that, you know, and and that's fine. It's just that clearly the 2009 movie was a very popular movie. Lots of people saw it. People that would not call themselves Star Wars or Star Trek fans. Sure. You know, it's like a lot of people got over it. You know, get over it. It's obviously a good movie. Enjoy yourself. Sure. But whatever. All right. Anything else? No, except that let's get to number 15. So, Gold Key. Gold Key. 15. Exactly. So, Museum gonna, at the End of Time. Are we going to read this as if it is a set in the Shatner verse or the, the Chris Pine verse? Hmm? <laughs> uh, Shatner verse? All right. Why are you even asking? I don't know. I thought it would be kind of cool to read it as if it was a... Uh, nah, never mind. It's no. I, I'm going to try to... Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, uh, we're going a little long, so let's be brief. Yeah, we're, we're going a little long. So th- this is a shorter synopsis than I normally do, but it's still got a little meat to it. So let me get going. Uh, the cool thing is the creative team. We have no idea, really. I mean, not really. Oh, we because, do. Oh, God. You looked it up? Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. The I was trying to move this fast. Artist is Alberto Giolani. He does all of the gold key stuff of the Star Trek. Cover yeah. artist is George Wilson, mm-hmm. not Dennis the Menace's neighbor. And the writer is Lynn Wynn, co-creator of Swamp Thing. <sighs> cool. The cover shows a golden palace with an Arabic feel perched on a chunk of land floating in space. There are a few multicolored, smaller buildings or spaceships or something in front of the palace that look and some of them, one of them in particular looks like a rocket straight out of the 1950s. Um, 
And finally, there's something in front of it that kind of looks like, a, uh, in front of the palace, that kind of looks like a motorboat. Odd. Floating in front of the palace is Kirk and Spock in a firefight with four Klingons. Yellow lettering tells us the Enterprise crew and their enemies are trapped in a world that does not exist. The whole scene is ridiculous, but looks kind of cool in a retro fantasy kind of way. This is pure gold key, baby! The story opens with the Enterprise in pursuit of a Klingon battlecruiser that is spying in Federation space. They have a cloaking device, which is making it difficult to maintain the pursuit. Suddenly, the Enterprise is drawn into a cosmic storm. Spock reports no ship has ever escaped from one of these before. Kirk says they will find a way out. Using centrifugal force, the ship shields, at a little luck, they are able to escape the killer cosmic storm. However, Spock reports the navigational computers are not able to identify their location. Essentially, they are nowhere. An aged man with white wavy hair comes over the bridge view screen and welcomes them. A tractor beam of some kind grabs the ship and pulls them to a fantastical-looking palace-like building perched on a on a scooped-out hunk of land, floating in a hippie's idea of Nowheresville. Spaceships of many colors and shapes are parked out in front of the building. The man on the view screen calls it the Museum of Missing Ships and his home. The view screen goes dark, and Kirk, Spock, and McCoy beam over to the museum. They are met at the entrance to the museum by the gray-haired man from the bridge view screen. He introduces himself as the curator and shows them in. A huge, smiling, psychedelic green dog almost licks McCoy on the way in. The curator responds to Kirk's demands for an explanation as to where they are by telling him the story of how he came to be there. He and his museum are from Krugar 3, where a huge comet one day impacted. Somehow the planet was destroyed, but his museum and the chunk of land it sat upon was ejected into space. Somehow the magical museum and the land it sat upon fell into a psychedelic hole in space that brought them here, wherever here is. The curator leads them into a room that is populated with all manner of spacemen. Humans and aliens of all types are in the room. After some brief introductions and chatting, the curator finally comes to the point. They are all in limbo. Kirk objects, saying limbo does not exist. The curator says, that is exactly the point. This place is a place between places. Got that? When we all came here, we even ceased to exist. The curator says Kirk and company are not prisoners, and they are free to do whatever they want to do, and enjoy the curator's hospitality. For the untold decades they have been there, no one has found a way to escape. Now, with their situation a little clearer, cue the Klingons, who enter loudly with weapons drawn, saying they do not need the curator's hospitality, because they take what they want. The weird, huge green dog attacks the incoming Klingons, who shoot the poor thing. Kirk, Spock, and McCoy attack with bare fists, despite the phasers at their sides. When the spacemen and the curator just stand there, 
the outnumbered Federation men eventually lose the fight and are beaten unconscious. All of them are imprisoned by the Klingon ruffians. Three Klingon guards are left guarding all of them in an open area. With Hilliard, the big green dog's help, they are freed of their bonds and they overcome the guards. They retrieve their communicators and beam back to the ship with the curator and the spacemen. The spacemen are impressed with the ship that is far more advanced than their own old ships. Kirk asks if they are ready to retake that moldy museum from the oppressive Klingons. Not all of them are game at first, but they all come around eventually. They beam back down, armed with phasers, and start a firefight. Spock beams in behind the Klingon lines to capture the Klingon commander and force a truce. Spock reports to the captain and the Klingon leader that his research on this place has uncovered that limbo is collapsing and will cease to be in a matter of hours. He continues and says that luckily they may not be trapped here at all. Later, the Klingon and Federation vessels are concentrating fire upon a specific point in purgatory. Eventually, the massive bombardment opens a hole in the fabric of limbo that leads out into open space. Kirk calls the curator and the spacemen, telling them it's time to leave. The curator speaks for all of them and says they are not going. They lived long lives in limbo and would simply not fit into the modern quadrant. Too many years have passed. Kirk understands and orders the Enterprise's departure through the wormhole. The Klingon ship leaves too. Once safely back in Federation space, the two captains decide to let each other go rather than continuing hostilities. The two ships depart in opposite directions. The end. Kind of an abrupt ending. Yes. Yes. That, uh, yeah, but... They get back to the regular universe, and then Kirk just makes an offhand comment that we scanned the ship, and it didn't... Or we scanned the Klingon ship, and it didn't pose any threat, and we let him go. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. Which was kind of BS. What, what did you scan? I mean, their records? You know, they didn't take any photos as they were traveling with cloaking... Uh, with cloaking device activated through Federation space? Whatever. It was just a little convenient. Right. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So overall, what'd you think? I I thought it was typical gold key. Right. Uh, I mean, there, there's a laundry list of things wrong with this issue. I mean, <laughs> a long laundry list. And you might have heard some of my, I don't know, vocal patterns, inflections that might have expressed some of my <laughs> um, incredul, not understand, my not believing what the hell was going on, but. All that on the side, it was fine for Golki. Yeah, it wasn't bad. I liked it. Yeah. It, it. I didn't really understand why the spacemen, after just meeting Kurt, all fought at his side saying, he's our friend, let's fight the Klingons, in that first bar fight type thing, because they just met him. But aside from that, it, it, it didn't seem that bad. Well, okay, so the first time they fight... The one guy in particular, the bald guy, who right. obviously is the villainous one, despite not being in a purple spacesuit. You mean the Klingon? Uh, no, I mean the space guy. The space guy that wouldn't fight when the when the Klingon, you know, when the Klingons first attacked, 
they didn't fight. Uh, they were actually kind of wimpy. Uh, that, that's why Kirk and Spock, they all uh, lost the fight, the first fight. Oh, maybe I'm thinking the second fight. Let me. Yeah, the, the, the second fight, they were all on board eventually. But that one guy, the bald guy with the beard and the, and the blue spacesuit, he was, he was the wimpy guy. He's the guy that talked everybody else into not fighting, and that's the first time when Kirk and company lost. Right, right, right. And even after the dog got shot, even the curator wouldn't do anything. He shot your dog, man. What's wrong with you? They kind of wanted to die. I mean, that was evident when they just let themselves blow up along with the whole Limbo universe. Yeah, well, they went back and forth, didn't they? I mean, the one guy, the bald guy that, that, that talked to everybody in the not fighting, he was saying things like, what, do you want to die? You know? Yeah. It, right. And and his cowardliness, I mean, he even con- later when they were all taken into, into imprisonment, he still said stuff like, well, you're still alive, aren't you? It's like, whatever. Okay. I misread... Uh, I... I... I see where I made my mistake. I, I had a balloon going to the wrong, a different person. Oh. I thought when he was, uh, I thought that was Kurt calling people by name. Uh, oh. But it was it was that guy in the blue <clears throat> suit. You're right. Okay, yeah. never mind. I take back what I say. Yeah, this 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 issue was spotless then. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the phasers are red, not black. Half of the, most of the tunics are completely the wrong color of the uh, right. of, of the bridge crew. Which, by the way, that's not a that's not a new thing. It's right. it's typical gold key. It's fifteen cents. What do you expect? The only the, the the only tunic that seems to be able to even be close to right is is Spock's again. Right, McCoy's always wearing the green shirt, same as Kirk, which, which is never right. Right. <laughs> And think Scotty 15, too. Fifteen issues in, you would the the colorist would have been like, "Oh, it's supposed to be blue." Yeah, excuse me. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. But the green versus yellow, I'm not that picky on because, you know, Cold. they, they yeah. didn't have the coloring. They didn't put the money and 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 time into making sure. I mean, to into printing these like they do now. Yeah, but. But you know they don't have red. Well, it's like, it. yeah, I mean they, they they use red in other places like phasers. They make phasers red, but um, they can't make Scotty's shirt red. So I don't know. Right? No, I get you. But yeah, you know if they if they want to keep things simple. But I think one thing they did right was, uh, and they're not numbered. The pages aren't numbered, but yeah, um, on the uh, DVD, if you're reading it through there, on page three of the of the PDF when yeah. the Enterprise first going into the cosmic storm. Yeah. That's an awesome shot of the Enterprise amongst a bunch of rubble and rubble stuff, and stuff. Sucked yeah. into uh, the vortex. I, I really like that shot. Yeah. It reminds me of parts of the Caribbean at World's End or something where the, you know, the Black Pearl or whatever is, you know, no, yeah, not, not the one where it's sailing around, around the, and around and around. I'm talking the about whirlpool. the one where it's first first going in. Yeah, I, I think I know what you mean. You mean. Okay. Uh, I'm just saying it. It just reminds me a little bit of that movie. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, and it, 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 that some of their artwork is not bad. It's just that you know, Kirk does not look like 
Shatner. Uh, more all... often, more often than not. I mean, there are some panels where they actually bothered to make him look like Kirk, but no, you know, I'm with you. You know, he's got he's got you know jet black hair. Uh, you know, whatever. And then, uh, except you know, Spock is about the only one that they bother to get right more often than not. But there are some where they don't get Spock right either. But right. whatever. Yeah, well, we kind of have the same argument every time. I mean, it's the same yeah. artist that's done yeah. the first 14 issues. and Why should it get any better? Yeah, uh, I mean, he had his style and, and he went with it. Right. <laughs> I, I, you know, used to we would complain about the uh, transporter being all glassed in in this version. Uh-huh. But now if you think about it, the new transporters in the 2009 movie are all glassed in. So it's kind of... Well, kind there are some glass panels. But yeah, is but it is it completely glass, glassed in? Well, there's glass walls everywhere on, in the new movie. So uh, well. I, I thought, you know, I thought that was kind of cool. It's not like this. It doesn't look like this, but it it does have a lot more glass in the new one than it does right. did in the old show. Yep. Glass and uh, lens flashes, which I will comment is kind of funny that they bother drawing some of those in on the. Uh, the previous issue on the countdown issue. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. that even made it into the synopsis. Yeah, yeah, you, you did mention something about that, right? But there were a lot of panels that had lens flashes, not just right. the one you mentioned. Right, that was kind of interesting. That, that was the one that was most them. glaring. I had to actually avert my eyes a little bit. <laughs> I was blinded. <laughs> so I kind of like how they had the Russian lander of some kind in one, uh, you know, under glass. In, in as one of the exhibits in the uh oh yeah it, it even has the little uh, sickle and scythe a sickle scythe in case you the the cccp on the side didn't do it for you it did and, not and it's kind of interesting because uh it looks like a lunar lander uh, of some kind you know some kind of lander with some kind of a digging arm and whatever but it's interesting. tiny because it's encased in glass i agree i agree yeah, did you understand why all the artifacts looked like they were from Earth? I mean, it was all like Roman-looking or Egyptian-looking artifacts in the museum. Yeah, I did. I mean, the exception would have been some of the ships and stuff, because obviously there are aliens among the spacemen also. But you're right, a lot of it looks like ancient Earth stuff. Right. I mean, even yeah, the dog looked like a, looks like a Chinese dragon. Oh, see it, in the Chinese parades and things like that? Chinese New Year parades? Oh, yeah, yeah, he does kind of, doesn't he? Yeah. So Weird-ass. Weird-ass-looking psychedelic thing. Yeah, it, <laughs> it, there are many aspects to this issue that reminds me more of, a, like, a 60s feel than a 70s feel. Well, it came out in 72, so... Well, I'm just saying. Still pretty close to the 60s. I know it's close to the 60s, but some of this stuff, especially Limbo, the background of Limbo... That looks like it's right out of the 60s, man. And that penciler just, just, you know, had a little smoke or something. <laughs> the swirls. The swirls, man. Look at the swirls. I mean, especially when you see that at least half page, probably 70% of a page, mm-hmm. shows the full shot of the museum, you know, on its hunk of land. Right. Look at the background. Purple and yellow and swirls and... Bubbles and oh man, I can feel it kicking in now. Wow. Yeah, no, I, I see what you're saying. 
That is some weird stuff. And by the way, if supposedly the Enterprise was so advanced compared to their ships and things, how does a museum, a museum, get a tractor beam strong enough to pull the Enterprise against its will towards, you know, the museum? Just go with it. I I, I am going with it. I'm just I'm just commenting. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's the combination of all those ships' tractor beams into one <laughs> massive tractor. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> maybe they've spent the hundreds of years they've been in there uh, just building up transporter technology or uh, uh, tractor beam technology. Maybe. Too bad they didn't work on sensors or science so they could figure out. Oh, we just had to do is shoot a laser beam at the you know at some point we can bust our way out of here. Oh, well. <laughs> Um, and so by the way, it was interesting how a phaser fire was coming out of the Enterprise deflector dish, wasn't it? Now, did they say it was phaser fire, or did they just say a beam? Oh, oh God, are you going to do that? Well, of I mean, course it, it was phaser it a fire. deflector beam? Oh, God. No, no, because deflector beams don't come out of the little point at the very tip of the dish. I think I've seen it in the next gen shoot out of that that area. Uh, okay, are you honestly trying to compare the graviton beam that they were shooting out during Best of Both Worlds at the Borg to this thing? Yep, it's a graviton. Wrong, wrong, sir. <laughs> no, it doesn't say phaser anywhere on that page. Oh, it just God. says significant force. Ah, so it's squirting out like a squirt gun. So, there's water coming out at high pressure out of the deflector dish, and the same thing for the uh, Klingons' nacelles. Yes. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) It's significant water fire. Basically, it's got a big super soaker. It's graviton graviton water. (laughs) Well, and it makes, what do they call it, a warp hole? Did they call it a warp hole? Yeah, let's see. Uh, the two great star-spanning vessels hang somberly in an angry, abstract sky, hurling awesome bolts of concentrated energy against the maddening nothingness until... I don't see them calling it anything. Is it on a different uh, page they talk about it? It was on a different page. I'm trying to find it. Oh, here it is. The warp is wide open, Captain. Is that it? Nah, so, that's one of them, and then he they mention it again, but of course they okay. can't find it. Well, they, the whole thing's kind of ridiculous a anyway. Hole, and I was like, a warp hole. What's a okay. warp hole? I don't know. Say that, uh, yeah, whatever. Anyway, so uh, let me see. Is there anything else worth mentioning? Um, yes. May I mention it? Please. I just I, you, I, I don't have anything else. I need you to explain a, a picture to me. Go to your uh, PDF, yeah. uh, page fourteen. So the. There's a panel on the second page of 14, the PDF 14, where the Klingon who has a, you know, mo haircut gets shot in the hand and he drops his phaser. Yet there's a giant hand kind of in the the foreground. Yes. But whose hand is that? And <laughs> what is that? Who? 
<laughs> it, I, I spent a lot of time on that panel just trying to figure out <laughs> where that hand come from. I was like, is that supposed to be like his hand? He got shot, and it's like sh- supposed to be showing his hand fall down from, from, from a different angle or something. Yeah, I don't know. That's or, that's a very good question because it looks like that big, huge blue hand is going to catch that uh, Klingon disruptor. It does, and and that confused me. Yeah, and by the way, how about those Klingon outfits, huh? Uh, they looked a lot like the uh, Romulan outfits a little bit. With oh, the they, they look like the Jolly Green Giant outfits. <laughs> it, it, you know, uh, and, and even their attempt to put some kind of a, a, a sash kind of thing. Right. Which I'm not sure if that's supposed to be attached to their uh, their belts, so more of a bandolier or something. I'm not quite sure what it's supposed to be. Well, some of them look like bandoliers, and then some of them just look like fringe or okay tablecloth type stuff. But it's like... <laughs> You know, no one gave these guys photos of costumes, apparently, or no. something, because the no. Klingon outfits have no relationship, none, to anything that was ever seen on the television show. And it's weird that all the Klingons are bald except for one. Yeah, the leader has guy. a Mo haircut, and everybody else is just bald. <laughs> yeah, and that says in Mo Howard, not like as in a Mohawk. Oh yeah, right, yeah. right. Well, he's there is a, a guy with cut. a mohawk, but not. Well, that. yeah, but that's a space guy. Yeah, he's the one that's about to get blasted by the. the exactly. The mohawk. Except that, Kirk comes at the last minute, or something. Shoots does. him in the hand. And shoots him in the hand. Exactly. He's with a Klingon. Shoot him in the head. Come on. <laughs> no. All right. So actually, it's last... better he didn't because they they needed a ship. Right. My last thing to is squirt the... at the at the hole. <laughs> All right. My last thing is yes. the city being launched from a ship, a space. Um, the city being, or the 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 museum being launched from an exploding planet you into Limboverse. Other than what I said in the synopsis, I was not going to bring that up because it's so fracking ridiculous. Go ahead. I liked it. <laughs> Only in that it's so cheesy 1950s, 60s uh, comic book type. Because <clears throat> in, in the DC Comics, uh, when Krypton exploded, there was yeah. a city, Argo City, that, that kind of did the same thing. Like, uh. while Krypton was exploding, Argo City somehow got put into a, uh alternate universe or a phantom zone. Uh, and that's how Supergirl grew up, and then eventually she left that alternate unit or that limbo verse and made it to Earth. And oh, that's where she came from. I didn't know that. That's where she came from. Supergirl. I did not know that. Y- yeah, I got that. I did not right. know that. Yeah. So this Argo. Remi- yeah, Argo City. Great. So this reminded me of Argo City. So I was a little more forgiving with it than uh, than you were. Yeah. Um, I didn't really buy what the curator says that he flew through space until he was sucked into the hole. I like. Oh, I like. Is that where you draw the line? Okay. I like to think more. He thinks that's what happened, but in reality, when the ship, when the when the planet blew up, it just went into the limbo verse. Didn't actually. Which travel. the cool thing is, the limbo verse uh, doorway happened to be by the exploding planet, so that that is handy. The Limboverse doorway might have been what blew up the planet to begin with. You it was know? a comet. It was a comet. He said it's a huge comet. They that, showed a huge ball hitting. That caused the Limboverse door to open. Oh, God. 
Yes, I'm sure that's what happened. Yes, that is what happened. In my <laughs> mind, that's what happened, so that it makes sense. It's awesome. <laughs> anyway, uh, Donovan. I liked it. I thought... I thought uh, that's cool. You know, through a child's eye, this all is great. <laughs> I mean, really, it is. Are you calling me a child, Ken? No, that- no, 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 no. I don't mean that. <laughs> I don't mean that. I'm saying... Through a ch- from a child's eye, the target audience of this book, this is all probably great. It's it's great. It's it's aimed at kids, and man, I think it, it found its target with you. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a little rude. Ken. It's a little rude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, huh, I, I, is it perfect? No. Is it a product of its time? Yes, and and I'm willing to forgive it. Yeah. Yep. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know what you're saying. I dig right. it. When I was a kid, I, I loved these comics. That's right. You actually grew up in this, this era. I didn't. Yeah, thanks. Yes, that's true. <laughs> I actually had some of the first runs of these. You've had the first issue. Whether you Was had it the first issue? Of- Yes, because you were telling me before we even started reading about well, it was a planet where they were on a, being attacked by plants. So then yeah, when we yeah. started reading the and first issue, you were like, this is the one I had. Yeah, yeah, I wish now, I still had it. Now, they did rerun that one. They There's a, a issue later on. They just reprinted issue one as a new issue. Yeah. So I don't <laughs> know a if, new number? Yeah, I don't know if you had oh, that God. one or if you really had the number one. But uh, yeah. I, thought it, I thought it was cool that you had the first issue. Yeah, and, and you know... How much would the first issue be worth right now, Donovan, since you know about comic book values? Uh, I haven't looked that one like, up in a Like a time. buck? Oh, no, the gold keys are kind of pricey. Really? Yeah. Okay, cool. Okay. Uh, so, I, I, bought, I bought one recently, uh, a yeah. gold key, and it was <clears throat> tore up. The cover was torn off of it, and I think I paid like five bucks, and I thought I was getting a pretty good deal. Cool. Without yeah. a cover? It had the cover, it just wasn't necessarily attached. Oh! <laughs> well, that's better than not having a cover at all, but by much? I don't know. Well, when it's in the bag, you can't tell. But as soon as you pull the bag out and you're like, hey, this doesn't... This isn't attached. It's not in the staple. Uh, so, actually, they've gone down since last time I looked. Uh, issue number one, uh, I see some selling for like $75. Oof. Yeah, that I wouldn't be spending that. And that's uh that's very good grade, not not even yeah, well good or mint. Right. No, well, you wouldn't spend that. No. Yeah, they usually range around ten to twenty dollars an issue. Well, I probably wouldn't buy it for that much either. But you know, that's a lot more of a possibility than seventy dollars. Jeez, there's <laughs> that's a sucker why born I, every day. That's why I love the uh, that they came out with the DVD, so I could finally read all these. Exactly. That, uh, that, that DVD that we use all the time is like the best investment ever. Yeah, if you don't have it and you're reading or you're listening to this, just go. You can get them at Amazon now for like ten bucks. So uh, get it. It's called uh, Star Trek Complete Comic Series. I forgot the exact name. Yeah, something like that. Complete Comic Collection or whatever. Right. Yeah, they they have another one called the Complete Movie Collection, and it's just the uh, the movies, the movie comics. Yeah, so they just hmm. take the all the comic book adaptations of the movies, 
well, and put it on one DVD. Well, that's okay, but this is everything and that stuff. Right. It's called the Complete Comic Book Collection. What a deal. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's wrap it up. We're going a little long. Please. Let's do it. Uh, so let's see. What are we doing next week, Ken? We're doing episode 110, which is back in the 90s, and we're doing uh, original series 58 through 60. Yes. So looking Indeed. forward to that. Yes. And uh, before too long, we'll eventually get back and find out what comes next for the ongoing series and Countdown 2 when they finally get it out. Right. So that'll be uh, issue, or excuse me, that'll be episode 113. 113. For those following along at home. Cool. And another goal key, number 16. Well, maybe. Depends. Something to look forward to. Well, we don't know for sure we're going to do the goal key. It depends on if. if, if, they, three? if they put 17 and 18 out oh, 18. faster than... Because 17 was supposed to come out already, right? And yeah. it's delayed. So they may they may just skip January altogether, or they may put 17 and 18 both in February. And if so, we'll, we'll do the, both of them. Right. We'll see what happens. Cool. All right, Ken? Donovan? Thank you for talking to me about this. It was fun. And I, I, I hope there's somebody out there that's able to relish in it also (laughs) so thanks for listening everybody take care thank you for listening to Star Trek comic book review all Star Trek stories and characters are copyrighted CBS Studios Incorporated all music stories and characters discussed are for entertainment purposes only you can email us at starttcomicbookreview at gmail.com visit us at our website www.stcomicbookreview.com Subscribe to us via iTunes or friend us on Facebook at first name ST Comic, second name Book Review. See you next time on Star Trek Comic Book Review. Let's get the hell out of here.